Come join Libby and Molly, the ladies of Consignment Chats, as we build a resourceful community of collaborative resellers. Hey, y'all. Welcome to episode 83 of Consignment Chats. Hey, Libby. Hey, Molly. What's happening? I'm getting ready to shine that spotlight. Ah, it's another Consignment Chat Spotlight, y'all. See Chat Spotlight, and we got a good one for you today. Should we take them over now? Yeah, let's just go. All right, here we go, y'all. As promised, everybody, here we have him. This is Stuart. And Stuart, I would tell them all about your business, which there is a big hint behind him, by the way. Um, But we're going to start and let him do the talking since Libby and I do so much talking. (laughs) So Stuart, welcome, first of all. Um, I wanted you to start with the name of your business and where you're located and then how people can find your business. Let's get that right out now in the open. All right. Well, first of all, thanks for having me on. I've been looking forward to doing this for a while now. It seems like uh, it's been, what, about a month since we scheduled this. So (laughs) great. The day's finally here. Uh, So yeah, I'm Stuart White with Franklin Hill Ventures. I'm in Knoxville, Tennessee. And you can find me, just look at the sign behind me here, www.franklinhillventures.com. That's got links to all my social media, as well as online platforms and other assorted things. So like YouTube. uh, yeah, you know, and yeah, YouTube. I don't do as much on YouTube as I as I wish I did, but you know, you got to prioritize things. And right now, that and TikTok are down near the bottom. But yep, Ooh, there's so many platforms you got to try to get yourself out on. It can be exhausting, right? Yeah. <laughs> and we were just yeah, talking no this morning about in our um, Patreon group about doubling down on where your income is coming from. That is going to be our focus. So yeah, I can appreciate. I can appreciate that you have to prioritize definitely definitely well, yeah I'm, I'm a long way from monetizing my youtube channel so i've got other uh, priorities that you know bring in revenue that i focus on right now so mm-hmm. there you go yes all right i got another question for you i want to know how when and how did you start your business i guess when how and why what got you here well let's see i'll try to give a it's it's a little hard to pinpoint an exact time, but uh, I mean, going back even to when I was a kid, I mean, I've kind of been a seller my whole life. I uh, used to, you know, buy blow pops at the convenience store and my mom would make me brownies and I would sell those to the kids on the bus and things of that nature. And um, just kind of did that all through high school and then took a break from doing much of anything reselling wise in college. And uh, when I got out of college, I started a uh, sports card booth with a friend of mine in Nashville at the flea market. So I was doing that every weekend for about a year and then got married, had kids and really didn't do anything reselling related for a really, really long time until the kids got a little older and probably around 20. Let's see, I started with my antique booths in 2014. So it was probably around maybe 2010, 2009, that range when I kind of jumped back into reselling on at least a semi-serious level. Uh, I was doing, you know, just mostly on eBay at the time and, you know, I would get stuff at yard sales and my brothers and I have two brothers and, you know, we always had kind of a competition going on about who could sell the most stuff and, you know, uh, you know, and just talking about the cool stuff we found and um, sometime in that range, I started going to auctions as well. And that's really when I really ramped up and started getting, you know, serious about reselling. I mean, I still had my regular full-time job that I was probably working 
just as many hours doing this as I was at, at my real job. And, um, you know, so I was buying tons of stuff at auctions and I got into the antique booth market. I was at an auction one night and this lady came up to me and she said, hey, the kind of stuff you buy would do really well at the antique mall where I'm located. And so she gave me the name of it and it was in Clinton, Tennessee, Granny's Attic. And so I went out there the very next weekend and we signed up for a half a booth um, and had that half a booth for about a month. And then the booth next to us, the other half came open. So we expanded to a, you know, a full booth just after a month. And then a couple months later, the booth next to us came. So we went to two booths. And then eventually after a year or two, we went to four booths there. And uh, we're still at Granny's Attic in Clinton. And, you know, through being there long enough and kind of, you know, rising in the pecking order. Now we're in the, like, right when you walk in the front door, we kind of have the primo lake location right there. We have four booths right inside. And, nice. and also, you know, put got two more antique booth locations in Knoxville along the way. And um, so I don't know, that was kind of a long way. I guess I started and, you know, really starting the, you know, what I'm doing now, probably in the 2009, 2010 range. And um, I think we, I think my spreadsheets go back to like 2013. So that's when I really started tracking, you know, inventory and what I was making. Um, and that's probably about the time we came up with the name of Franklin Hill Ventures too, which is kind of interesting people all the time. Well, A, they think my name's Franklin on any of the YouTube channels. I know like Dom with Crime Time Treasure Hunter, he called me Franklin for the longest time. I did and- just did that this morning. I was like, <laughs> oh yeah, we're going to talk with Frank. And I was like, no, no. <laughs> so that's a big joke now with Dom. I mean, anytime I go on his YouTube channel and you know, in the chat, he's like, hey, welcome Franklin. And But, um, <laughs> but the way we got that name is, you know how when you take pictures and you upload them to Facebook, it tags a location. Yeah. Anytime when we first moved to Knoxville, anytime we'd upload a picture to Facebook, it would tag it with Franklin Hill. And I mean, I grew up in Knoxville, but had no idea where that was. And But we liked the name. So when we were looking for a company name, we just thought, hey, that's a cool name. So we just threw ventures on the end and came up with the name that way. Uh, and we came to find out Franklin Franklin Hill's actually on the other side of the interstate from us. So I'm not sure why it, why it tagged our pictures with that location. But it's um, a great, I mean, it's a great name and it's close, right? It's geographically yeah. very close to you. Yeah, so. It's been a good name for us. And, um, you know, when we, as we branched out, you know, we try to use that across our social media and all our, you know, selling platforms. And, you know, we do everything now from online, sell basically on six different online platforms plus whatnot. And then um, the three antique booth locations. And then our latest venture has been festivals with our we we have this line of jams and jellies here these franklin hill farms products and they're like ah. sauces and pickles and barbecue sauces and preserves and butters and we had gotten into that line a couple of years ago just kind of thinking outside the box i've been to like up in Sevierville, gatlinburg area you know every little place you go in has these jams and jellies and yeah i thought you know none of our antique booth locations have those it might be good to try to private label something like that. And we also thought, well, we'll start hitting the festival circuit too, but then COVID hit, and, you know, so we had no festivals to do, but we still started selling in the booth and they've done really well. And we actually did our first festival last weekend. We did the La Follette, Tennessee 125th anniversary celebration. So I saw the pictures on your social media. It looked great. It looked great. It was fun. Now, you know, it rained cats and dogs pretty much all, you know, up until we got there and 
I think there were supposed to be 48 vendors there, like 20 showed up. And oh, then wow. there was a storm halfway through the morning and half those left. But we were there to four and did really well. We sold 70 jars of this stuff. And, wow. uh, you know, considering the crowd that was there, we were really pleased. So, yeah. And I yeah. think, I, I just want to say, I think that your branding is working and the way you use that across all platforms because of what you just said, like people are actually calling, associating you, like you are Franklin, right? Yeah. <laughs> so good job. I mean, that's, that's a testament to how well uh, you've branded yourself. And I, uh, and I answer to Franklin now just as quickly as I do. Stuart, really? so. I love so it. You're safe. If you mess up, you're safe. You'll all right. All right. You'll so, you know, are these jams and things shippable? Are are they on your website or local? No, I mean they. I mean they are shippable, and I've shipped them some. The problem is our margin in those is so low with the weight and everything. We really haven't figured out a way to make it work shipping wise. I mean, you know, no matter how good they are, and they're really good. I mean, we have so many repeat customers who come in the booth. You know, nobody's going to pay ten or twelve dollars for a jar of jelly. Uh, you know, our price point is we sell them for six dollars a jar or three for 16 is what we sell them for in the booths and at festivals, but it would just be hard to make that work. We have thought, my wife's been thinking about maybe a way to, for Christmas to do like gift boxes or something where you can charge a little bit of a premium. Uh, but, uh, you know, to this point, no, we haven't really focused on shipping them at all. All right. I'm going to keep my eye out on and that. I'm always surprised. I always like to say like, never, presuppose what somebody will pay for something because you just don't know like if they really want it they that shipping may be negligible to them so i mean you you look at some of the mail order foods that are out there like the tortuga run cakes for example i mean you know people pay like forty dollars for those things you know and it's just a little rum cake so yeah i mean You never, you never know. You never know. So I have a question and I'm going to add this one in here, Molly. I hope we're okay with this. Oh, absolutely. Um, So you have a lot of different things you have. I'm going to call like your antique booths are are kind of like a brick and mortar version of your business. And then you balance that with selling on a lot of different platforms and also with the jams and jellies that you, the private label how do you how do you manage all that and do you keep it separate like what does that look like I mean in a lot of ways I think they all complement each other very well so like the the booths for example I mean once you get past the initial setup I mean there's obviously a ton of work in setting up your booth initially you know just you know sourcing the whatever um stuff you have displaced stuff you know bookshelves cabinets those types of things to just getting in there and setting it up but really once at least in my experience once you get it up and running I mean yeah I go out to I go out to each of them at least once a week and the ones in Knoxville usually twice a week but I'm not spending more than about 30 minutes there and you know I'm just moving stuff around taking some stuff out there so really they're very little work you know for the return I get on them you know, where the online's a lot more, you know, you know, if you if you go online, I mean, you know, you've got you got the sourcing part, you've got the listing part, and you got the shipping part. And of course the listing and the shipping both take up a ton of time. Um and but you know, it gives me an outlet to be able to move stuff, you know, between the platforms and um so I mean my spreadsheet my spreadsheet that I have, I mean it's kind of this monster of a spreadsheet that I've developed over many years. I mean, it it keeps up with all my inventory at the different booth locations as well as what's online. And it's very easy for me to move stuff from 
you know, point A to point B. Um, so, I mean, I, I guess I just stay organized and it's, I don't look at it as that difficult to keep things straight, but yeah, you definitely have to be organized about it. Yeah. So I did, um, I did a booth in my experience. I've, I've done it several times, actually, uh, different locations. And my experience was very different. And I think from hearing you say this, like I would not, I was, I'm not a proponent of, for my business and the way I run things for doing, um, for having the booth. It was just, I wasn't getting the return that I was on eBay on my items or online with my items. But from what you just said, I think the difference is that you're a lot bigger and you have a lot more items and a lot more turnover where it makes it worth your time to actually be spending in, you know, to go there once a week for an hour or half an hour and, and do all those things. Whereas I don't think I made enough to, or I wasn't big enough in that space to be able to recoup my money and the time I was investing. Yeah. And I think it all depends too. I mean, you know, location of the country where you are is probably important because that plays into how much it costs and how much traffic you get. And we're real fortunate here in East Tennessee, we have the Smoky Mountains. We get a lot of tourist traffic. In Clinton, where I have my granny's attic booth, it's always considered a top 10 antiquing destination in the U.S. So, you know, people jump off the interstate and drop in there all the time. And then for that reason, I mean, I sell, I mean, if I had to categorize my booths, like the one in Clinton, I'm selling mostly more knickknack type stuff. I mean, smalls because people want something they can just grab and put in their car. You know, I'm not selling a lot of furniture or artwork or things or things of that nature. You know, where Bearden Antique Mall and West End Antiques in Knoxville, there, I mean, we get some of the tourist traffic uh, as well because they're right off the interstate and, you know, the you got people going to the mountains stopping by. But you also have, they're both real close to Sequoia Hills, which is kind of the old money section of Knoxville. So you get a lot of interior, de- interior designers coming in, decorating houses. So I sell like a ton of artwork and furniture and just more, I guess, high-end decor at those two locations. Granny's is definitely more of a volume model, which mm-hmm. I mean, I have four booths there, so I just have a ton of stuff out there. Where the other two, you know, are single booth locations, but I'm doing higher revenue items for the most part. So, yeah, I mean, it definitely depends, I think, because, you know, you get on the Facebook groups, and obviously, you know, there's some people who have terrible experiences with booths, and then other people have great experiences. And, you know, it's sure. a combination of location and how much you put into it, and, you know, who's coming in and also location within the mall is a big, big deal too. You know, I've, I've kind of bided my times at most of my locations and I've got pretty good, pretty good location within the malls as well. Now, see, I wouldn't have thought of that aspect. I do think of the fact of off the interstate because I'm the first to say to my husband, Ooh, ooh, ooh pull over, <laughs> pull over, pull over. But I don't, I never have thought about your actual location in the building as far as where your booth is probably because I don't miss a section when I'm in there. I go to every little nook and cranny, so I don't think about it. But yeah, yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, because a lot of people don't. I mean, especially when I went to Beard and Antique Mall, I was on like an inner aisle originally. And I just, I would go in there and watch people and they would circle the outer loop and never go down that middle aisle. You know, now, you know, people, and you could argue the people who do that probably may not going to buy anything anyway. You know, the people who are there to buy stuff are going to scour every booth. But we, you know, 
we waited and now we have a booth right next to the cash register at Bearden and our sales just like, you know, ramped up tremendously once we moved locations. So, you know, now we've just got to move closer to the front of our third location. We've only been out there three months and we're like the very last booth in the back of the building. And it's kind of in a no air conditioned area. I mean, oh, some of the air conditioner trickles in from the main part of the store, but it does get a little warm back there. But we've done well there. So, um, yeah. you know, so far, so good. That's great. Oh, my gosh. And it does make it easy to the one thing I do miss about having it is my large furniture pieces. It does give them way more visibility and I don't have to worry about arranging delivery or coordinating you ship or anything like that. Um, that was always that was always a positive and large pieces of art, which are absolutely horrific to ship, um, as I'm sure you know. <laughs> I have shipped some big pieces of art, but I don't really even list any art online anymore. So, yeah, if you can get away without doing it, Molly is our expert uh, art shipper. Molly's been learning. <laughs> yeah, because she had some really cool. She has some really cool art. I still, was, have, yeah, I have more to put up. Ooh. Yeah. What? Um. All right. So, in terms of consignment, or even like thrifting, picking. What is one of the most interesting items to you? And I heard you talk about when you were a kid, you collected sugar packets when you did the Seller Community Podcast. And that just stuck with me because I thought it was absolutely adorable. Uh, (laughs) But anyway, um, what's one of the most memorable things that you've consigned or picked up or picked? Well, probably on the consignment side. And I I do some consignment, probably not as much as a lot of people in the group. Just because I have so much stuff of my own, I always think it's not fair to consigners because, you know, I can never really promise when I'll get to stuff. And mm-hmm. um, so I really just have a select group of people that I consign for. And I really started doing that after I joined y'all's group and thought, well, I'll look at consignment. And it's, you know, it's been OK for me. Uh, probably my my most memorable consignment was really just the first thing that I sold that I consigned. And it was a... Um, Bartlett and Collins cookie jar and it was this beautiful orange cookie jar with these white daisies and it sold for quite a bit I think $110 and I think I sold it on Facebook marketplace with shipping and at the time you know I was just doing when I did my very first consignment deal with this guy I was just doing 20% you know and I sold this and I thought you know I'm only getting 20 bucks out of this you know you did all the work right (laughs) Uh, so you know quick after soon as I sold that I I went back to the guy and said, you know, I'll continue to sell stuff for you, but I really need to go up 40%. He was fine with it. So he's been a really good consignee for me uh, in that, you know, he brings me a lot of really cool high-end stuff that uh, sells well online typically, although sometimes I'll put it in the booth. Uh, And I guess the other thing memorable that I sold for him was just under the umbrella of, you know, things that somebody gives you and think, that's not going to sell or it's not worth any money. He gave me this like 1999 Ford F-150 user manual still sealed. And he goes, yeah, you should be able to get, you know, 50 to 75 for that. And sure enough, I looked and I mean, I listed and sold within like a week and, you know, for full asking price of like $55. So, you know, that's just a lesson learned that you never know what's going to sell. You really don't. You really don't. Like after all these years of doing this, I am still surprised at what sells. And I want to say you are a great example. So a lot of people in our group are resellers. 
um, not necessarily consignment sellers, but I think you're a good example of why people should be consignment ready, right? So you have your reselling business and you just have consignment, um, you know, in your back pocket in case somebody approaches you with that good opportunity, those easy to list items, that Bartlett cookie jar or anything like that. I think that's that's really good because there are a lot of resellers that aren't and they take that first consignment and they say, oh, I'll sell that for you. And they end up, you know, losing, losing out a little bit because they aren't ready. And I love the way you have that in your back pocket. You are ready to, you know, if you get an opportunity, you are ready to jump on that. And I think that is what we try to be all about. Right, Molly? Yep. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I'm never going to turn down an opportunity for a new revenue stream just because, you know, you never know, especially in today's world, you know, what's going to dry up and what's going to be good in any given week. So, I mean, that's why I'm always looking, you know, for new ways to bring money in, you know, thinking outside the box. I mean, with like with our Franklin Hill Farms products, you know, that was just something that was completely outside of anything we'd ever done or knew anything about, but it turned out to be a good thing. So, wow. Nice. So you started a journey from part-time reseller, which it sounds like you were for many years, to full-time reseller. I think it's been about a September. year. Yeah, yeah, it'll be a year in September. A year in September. I really so, think we should start his story with the um, blow pops on the school bus, though, because that I like. <laughs> from that blow is where pop- it started. That is where it started. Um, <laughs> so what has, like, what was your turning point to make that decision? And how do you feel about it almost a year in? Well, I mean, there were several reasons why, you know, I thought it was a good time to do it. I mean, you know, first off, I had to, convince my wife that that was a good decision and you know to say that she jumped up and down for joy is probably an exaggeration but she was very supportive of the idea I was working at a hospital in Chattanooga which is an hour and 40 minutes from Knoxville if I was driving back and forth about three days a week I mean I worked from home a couple of days but I was the project manager who I basically coordinated all the new equipment installations for the hospital you know when they'd get new ventilators in or new MRI or new CT or whatever uh, so, you know, I, I had to be there quite a bit and just that drive, you know, I did that for almost five years and, you know, just over time, I mean, I started having some back issues and, you know, leg pain and just things associated with being in the car for three hours every day for that long. So I knew I had to do something else, you know, whether it was, you know, getting another quote real job or, uh, you know, doing this full time, I knew I couldn't stay in Chattanooga. So, um, we were just at a point in our life where, I mean, we had three of our four kids get out of college. So, you know, we had three of them off the payroll, so to speak. And uh, <laughs> my youngest daughter graduates next May. Uh, so we had some expenses freeing wow. up. And, um, you know, we had built the business, I think, last year we grew like 40, 40, 45% year over year from the previous year. And then this year we're on target to grow another 25 to 30%. And of course, it gets harder to grow every year, you know, as your revenue increases. So um, just when all things were considered, you know, it just seemed like a good time to at least take the chance. And, you know, I said, I'll revisit it in a year. And at this point, I think I'll be able to continue. I'll probably, you know, I'm always keeping my eyes open for like little IT consulting things I can do. I haven't really had to do any to this point, but like I may do some work for a hospital up north, uh, you know, just some remote work coming up. So you know, just another way to bring in some revenue, but, um, you know, and 
I know a big stumbling block for a lot of people's insurance. And, um, you know, fortunately, my wife with her job, we had already been on her insurance anyway. So that was not a consideration. But that's a I know that's a huge stumbling block for a lot of people. Yep. Yep. Myself included in that. <laughs> Myself included. So somebody that was is just and oh, wait, back up a second. I thought I heard when you did your interview on the Seller Community Podcast that the Boss Reseller Remix was actually like a pivotal a pivotal point for you. Am I right about that? Or well, it, I mean, it was uh, just from the standpoint of how many people I met, and you know, the motivation you get just from being around all those people. You know, I had already gone full time when the Boss Reseller Remix hit, and I was really torn about going just because. It was in October and I just started in September and it's, you know, can you really take a week away from your business when you're just trying to get things ramped up? And uh, actually Liz O'Kane taught me into it. And um, so I went and I'm so glad I did. And I can't wait to go again this year. We will meet you in person there for yes. sure. We are just my very wife excited. We'll be here this year too. So oh, we're good. excited about that. So. Oh, Wow. Wow. So are, do your kids have any involvement in the business? No, I mean, none of them are even home anymore. So right. you know, we got a daughter in Houston and then oh, wow. a daughter in Nashville and then two. Well, my son just graduated from Alabama and he'll be in that. He'll be actually he'll be living with us next year while he goes to grad school at UT. And then my youngest daughter will be back at Alabama. I actually have two daughters in Spain right now. So they're, oh, they're hiking the Camino de Santiago. Oh, oh my gosh. gosh. That's wow. amazing. Living the life. Living the life. <laughs> they're going to be at the reign of the bulls tomorrow, apparently. So. Oh, wow. Oh, I don't wow. think they're going to run with the bulls, but they will be in Pamplona, or I think that's where it is. So. Yeah. Oh, wow. That is really awesome. neat. So, all right. Somebody just starting, maybe somebody just thinking about going full time. What would you say your best piece of advice would be like if you went back and you're looking you know a year ago what would you have done differently or what did you do right that you think somebody could learn from well I think just starting out probably the most important things just to make sure that you're having fun you know as soon as this becomes a job you know then you know then it's just another job and you're not going to enjoy it it's going to be you know hard to keep doing it um you know, and then I guess the other things are just, you know, you're only going to get out of it what you put into it, you know, so obviously the, you know, the more you work, the the more you're going to get out of it. And I know a lot of people starting out, you know, they've watched a bunch of YouTube videos or they've watched all the TV shows and, you know, it just looks easy, you know, oh, oh I go buy this and I make a lot of money. And, <laughs> you know, it's, it's obviously a lot different than, you know, you see, you know, the, the really great things they did on YouTube. You don't see all the failures and, you know, right. stuff that, that goes behind it. And um, so, you know, I, there's definitely a lot of opportunity there to make money. Uh, but, you know, you got to have, um, I don't know, you've got to be organized. You've got to really have the ability to adapt to changing landscapes. And that's really important in today's world, you know, where things just sure. change so much on a daily basis. And, you know, you got to weather those slow times and, you know, not get frustrated. And, um, yeah, it's, you know, and I think if you're first starting out, just selling something that you know and like, you know, so you're not spending so much time learning a new niche, you know, maybe if, you know, if you like, I don't know, 
plushes, you know, start out selling plushes and mm-hmm. then branch out from there. But, uh, but yeah, you know, but on the flip side of that too, I mean, you definitely have to prepare, but I know some people, you know, they'll sit and like watch YouTube videos for six months or, you know, get on Facebook groups and ask questions. And, you know, you almost get that kind of uh, paralysis by analysis that, you know, at some point you just got to jump in and do it. And uh, when I used to do a lot of training for people, you know, I would typically say, hey, use that software for three days, then let's do the training. Because if you try to do, if you try to train something on some something they've never done, you know, a lot of times it's just hard to grasp those concepts. Uh, yes. So sometimes it's easier if you just, you know, jump in, try things, and then go ask for help on specific things. That's so one of our favorite. Just start. Just yes. start. That's one just of our start. favorite. <laughs> do it. Get there and do it. I love that. I, I guess so. I, Molly has it a whole, I get so frustrated um, talking to talking to people or when people ask me questions and I'm like, just just do it. Just take that first step. Just take that first step. Get that first listing up. And, you know, some people don't want to. It's fun to watch. He's grown me a lot because I am such an overthinker, Stuart. Like I overthink, like, do I click the pin and take the, you know, I'll, I'll overthink the smallest thing for the longest time. And Libby's like, no, just do it. And I underthink. So we balance each other out. Yeah, maybe I'm somewhere, maybe I'm somewhere in the middle then. I mean, I, I'm definitely a jump in with both feet, you know, kind of person. I, I mean, I, I don't mind taking chances and I'm pretty good at figuring things out on the fly. So, you know, I'll usually just take the plunge. You know, it's just like when we went to the antique booth. I mean, somebody said something on Wednesday. We had a booth by Saturday. So I love it. Yeah, that sounds sounds a little bit like me. Yes, it (laughs) totally sounds like you. Uh, Let's Um, do a podcast. Okay. Right. Here we are, 80 something. Yeah. 80 yeah. some episodes later and we're yeah. still podcasting away. Yeah. So um, as we're short on time, I don't want to leave without asking one of our most favorite questions. And that is, what is the one thing you are most proud of with your business, about your business? I mean, probably just the, well, probably just the way we've been able to grow, um, you know, year over year and, um you know, keep, keep diversifying the, the products that we sell and, and that I've been able to keep doing it for this long. I mean, just, you know, however, 10, 10 plus years now that I've been, been doing this on some level and that I've kept it fun. You know, I mean, I still, you know, I still love what I do and, you know, I mean, I'm not going to lie. I mean, you know, there's days you get up and you look at, you know, I got 12 things to list today or 20 mm-hmm. things to list. I, mean, I don't feel like doing it, but in the end, it's still a fun job and, um, you know, just, you know, just to be able to have continue doing what I love to do is, you know, probably one of the things I'm most proud of with the business. Love it. I think that's wonderful. wonderful. We, need the, we need the background applause from Snoop Dogg's sound thing. <laughs> going to get that back. back. Someday, goals. Someday, goals. we're going to get that background sound. Yep. maker. Well, <laughs> Stuart, I can't thank you enough for taking the time to join us. Um, I know Libby's going to hook up your links and everywhere so that those of you listening and watching can find Stuart and take a peek at everything that he does. And uh, I'm looking forward to getting into the schedule of festivals and having my husband and I take a little road trip, get him some 
pickles and some good jams or whatever you got going on in those those jars <laughs> we're already starting to fill the calendar up with uh places we're going to be so yeah just uh all right i, I mean if, and if you can come to east tennessee the weekend of september 30th october 1st that's the big antique festival in clinton tennessee and i mean it's a huge uh it's a huge antique festival they you know shut down all the streets there's food vendors and outside antique vendors and I think there's a beer garden and all the stores in town. There's probably 15 to 20 antique stores all within walking distance in Clinton. And they right. all run big sales. And it's just a really fun weekend. Sounds uh, like we could get into some real trouble there. I'm Molly. ready to get down, yes. <laughs> some I think, real trouble. I think there's a road trip in my very near future. I just wrote <laughs> all that on my notepad, Stuart. Well, hope to see you. Uh, yes, yes. And we'll definitely see you at... Um, in, in Las Vegas coming up too. So oh, yeah. oh, that could yep. be some quick. I'll be there. A couple of times. Yep. All <laughs> right. Well, thank well, you thank so you. much. We appreciate it. Thanks for having me. And we will talk to you later. Another good one. Another, Another great good one. one. Another good one on the books. He <laughs> is so diversified and right? wow. Yes. And I, I can't help it. I just do want to call him Franklin. I'm sorry, Stuart. I'm sorry. Now it's it like a thing. I, it sounds like you don't need to apologize for that. <laughs> I, I didn't get the feeling an apology was necessary at the end of that. So. And that, folks, is what good branding will do for you. Yep. Especially, I mean, that really speaks to the fact he is so diversified, yet mm-hmm. he has this consolidated brand that brings everything together. And you know you are shopping with Hank, Franklin Hill Ventures. Wow. Right. It's awesome. Very smart. Yeah, very he's good example. got a lot of good advice for sure. I mean, a lot of good advice. And I love, it's hard not to go, Ooh, I kind of want to do that too. Like we always say, don't stick with what you've got, but mm-hmm. it just, it's exciting listening to him talk about all that he does that I'm like, oh, oh, that's and true. does well and does well and has, you know, family support. His wife sounds like she's a real involved in the business and we'll find out more about that in Vegas. I'm sure. Yes. Right? yes. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. As we go and meet other people in our community and finally get to meet so many people face to face. Right. Oh, gosh. Yes. Yes. IRL, as Ashley would say, IRL. One of the things um, that sticks out to me the most about talking to him was one of the last things he said about having fun while you're running your business. And (laughs) yeah, and we forget that sometimes. We're constantly like reminding, you you know, we love what we do. This is fun. Not every day. Not every day is fun, folks. Sometimes we're reminding ourselves going, we love what we do. (laughs) (laughs) I actually, I'm going to make a reel because it's funny because um, I don't know if you've heard this audio, but there's audio that says um, something like, oh, are you really working? Because, you know, we do so many strange, fun things for our business and we're making reels and somebody walks in and they're like, yeah. are you really working? I'm yeah. working. I'm working. <laughs> but I love, I love the fact that he said, have fun while you're doing it. Start selling something you love if you're a new seller. So you really just, you know, get to enjoy yourself. You only got this one, you only got this one go round. Well, I guess it depends on what you believe, but most of us only have this one go round. Right. Right. And, uh, yeah. So, um. What's happening, Libby, in the community? Oh, well, 
yeah, I mean, we've been busy, Listapalooza-ing. If you haven't checked out our events, it's a summer festival of listing where we support each other and hit some pretty insane goals. Uh, I really want to talk about our Patreon group because right. that is um, a community. So some people have asked me, well, what's Patreon? Because I know what it is. I'm assuming like everybody knows what it is, Don't right? You? And that is absolutely right. false. Absolutely false. So uh, Patreon is pretty much you are a patron. You would be a patron. It lets you support C-Chats and the community on another level. And our levels start at $5 a month. And what's included with that is a monthly call on the lowest level where we do accountability and business advice and different things that we're working on. Whatever your business needs, we, we address that. We're able to do it because we are small. We are able to do it on a fairly personal level. Mm-hmm. And I always walk away feeling inspired, motivated by you all. So agree. thank you. So it is just that one thing. And that $5 a month helps us provide that service. We're certainly not uh, getting rich on it or anything, but it, it pays, it pays for itself. Right. And yep. I know our members definitely would agree that it is worth way more than that to them and their business. So uh, if you think it might be for you, check it out, ask us any questions. So I'm just coming off of one of these monthly calls. So I'm like super pumped because we did one this morning and I'm like, yeah, yeah. Um, so many things uh, that we'll be we'll be also talking about in our community on Facebook, just not on that, in that detail that we do on on Patreon. So if you're not there or you don't think that that's for you, that's fine. You can still hop into our Facebook community. Everything uh, is free, all the content we provide. So, yeah. And where would one find our Facebook community? Look at me. I'm coming in like a, and where Libby would. Oh, I, you just need to go to consignmentchats.com and you will find all the places to connect with us because we believe that every reseller should be consignment ready as we talked about with Stuart, right? Yep. Yep. 100% agree with that. Um, Do not be leaving money on the table. And if you think I don't do consignment, I'm just a reseller. Be, be ready with consignment. You don't ever have to take one, but you need to be ready because if not, you could be leaving that amazing deal and that amazing opportunity on the table. And that would be very painful. So sad. So sad. <laughs> so sad. Yeah, yeah, I agree. So, okay. But before you head over to consignment chats real quick, ring the bell, hit that bell, like us, subscribe all that good stuff. And if you're listening to us on podcasts, please take the couple of seconds out of your day to leave us a five-star review because it really helps us in ways that you don't even know. So in ways that you don't even know so that we can be there for you even more because we are providing some, if I do say so myself, we are, we have coming up some absolutely amazing content, some incredible things lined up that are absolutely going to level up your reselling business and just help you get to the level next up, level. Level up. All right. Ooh, are we getting That's a song it. too? Level up. You know, <laughs> I like to put everything to a song. Here. I know. I know. I know. All right. Well, All listen, right. until next time, Libby, I'm going to have to give you a little cheers. Cheers. 
Thanks for joining Libby and Molly, the ladies of Consignment Chats, as we build a resourceful community of collaborative resellers. Find all the ways to connect with us at consignmentchats.com. Episodes are available on YouTube and anywhere you get your podcasts. In addition, you can find us on Facebook in our Consignment Chats community. Until next time.